If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Hallelujah. We'll get there in a little bit, maybe. <laughs> and what an awesome message Dr. Svell ministered last week. I encourage you to, if you didn't listen to both of those, you can go on online and, uh, and listen to those. You can either go to you know, your iTunes podcast or SoundCloud or YouTube or website and, uh, and continue to, to feed your faith. You know, um, you know, we South Africa in their church there they call it putting your foot into the message. You know, continue. It's not just a message that you hear one time, but it's something that that if it came from our apostle or it came from your pastor, from me, then it's something that was for your life. You know, it's not just I, I shouldn't be just another voice in your life. And I'm not saying that pridefully. I'm saying that because if this is your church, then I am your pastor, and and I shouldn't be just another voice. I should, be, I should be the voice. You know, the, the Bible talks about the good shepherd, and it says, you know, it says the sheep will hear their shepherd's voice and a stranger's voice they won't follow. I, I believe that has to go with churches, too, that, that when, you, when you listen to I remember hearing my pastor back in Maryland when I first got saved. When I remember hearing him, and I wasn't even really saved yet, but I remember hearing him. There was something about his voice that was, did something to minister to me in here. And I believe that's the same thing, that, that, that if this isn't it, find a church where when you hear that shepherd talk, it's like, that's my shepherd that feeds me. And so, so either doctors or myself should be probably the most dominant voices in your life because I'm studying and preparing for you, not for me to entertain you, but to help direct and shepherd our lives. And Dr. Sell does the same thing, but on his, he's an apostle, so it's not just for this house, but it's for the body of Christ. And last week, he taught one of the first messages. He talked about where is your focus when times are bad? Focus is everything when you're walking through things. Focus is everything. Whatever you're facing right now, it's what you're focusing on that's, that, that, that's directing you. You know, if you're focusing on a negative thing, it's going to direct you in that. If you're focusing on the, a correct thing, it will focus you in that, in that direction. Whatever you're looking at is the direction that you're going to head. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about revival and, and just some of those definitions are recovery of life, return to activity from a state of tiredness, fatigue, weariness, oppression, or heaviness, recover from a state of neglect, or reawaken to spiritual fervor. You know, as your pastor, I realize challenges you face, challenges we all face, challenges our world is experiencing right now. Things that, that are happening all over the globe, not just, not just in, in, in America, but things that are, things that are happening, things that are, are, are um, taking place throughout our world today. And uh, we have to understand who the God of this world is. You know, Satan is the God of this world, and he blinds the minds that believe not so they don't see the, the, the light of the glorious gospel in Jesus Christ. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And, and we, need to, we need to understand that, that even though there's challenges that we're, fa- that we're experiencing, things that have happened in this nation throughout the years, things that are happening across the world, we have to understand that, that those aren't the things that we should be predominantly meditating upon. 
That's why it's so important for us to focus on right things. Now, we'll get to Deuteronomy in a moment. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you in the, in the Passion Translation. And I, and I want, to, want to just sow this into our hearts this morning. Romans chapter 8, let's see, verse 5 in the Passion Translation. They'll put it on the screen. It says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset, mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Now, just ask yourself a question. How much am I meditating on things that are taking place in our world right now? Now, if you have an iPhone, you can, you can go on there and it'll actually, it'll actually um, be a, a good testimony to how much you're meditating. How much time are you on social media? How much? I mean, it, now I want you to hear me because we have to understand that this scripture, it talks about to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the things that are raging in our, in our world today, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's racism, whether, whether it's division, whether it's political, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever scenario you want to put, how much are you meditating on what's currently happening? How much time are you meditating on certain things? And if you're meditating on those natural things, watching those things, then it, then it lets us know. It says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. See, the thing is, is, is things that are happening in the natural, if you're focusing on those things, those things can never bring life. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. Go to, go to well, don't, don't go there, you stay in Deuteronomy. I'm, I want to read this also in the Passion Translation. Jesus had to deal with this. In with the disciples in Acts 1, right before he left. Because we get so wrapped up in what's going on in the natural. But I want you to know that if you're a born-again child of God, you're no longer natural, but you're spiritual. You're a spiritual man. You're a spiritual woman of God. Old thing, you're a new creation. Amen. And so, no, see, the disciples had the same aspect because you understand, you know, the, you know, if you look at the disciples and you look at the Jewish people at that time and, and you look at everything, the oppression that they experienced is beyond anything in history, beyond anything in history. And, uh, and yet they were, they were waiting for this Messiah to come. They're waiting for this Jesus to come, waiting for this one that would set them free, waiting for the one that would set his kingdom up on earth. And, and just so they can, they can, they can look at everyone else and say, see, I told you, man. Oh, I can't wait till that Messiah comes. Cause when that Messiah comes, I'm telling you, he is going to destroy everybody and we're, he, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be great because we're waiting for our King to come. But, but what? Remember to be carnally minded. That's good. Yeah, it's good, Pastor. Come on. But to be spiritually minded. That's good. All right. 
Now, in the Passion Translation right here, in verse 6, it says, Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is the time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, here, see, why? Because they were waiting for something in the natural to change. They were waiting for something. They were like, hey, I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come back. And we've been, we've been bowing down to them. Man, they're going to bow down to us. You see, it's just wrong thinking. It's just, it's just carnal thinking. And I'm, and I'm telling you, there's nothing in this. If your primary focus is what's happening in the world today, and you said, if they just fix this, if they just fix that, if they just did this, if, if, if this person wasn't president, and if this person wasn't this, if that didn't happen, I'm telling you, it's never going to bring you peace. It's never going to be your answer. Because the disciples thought the same thing. And what did Jesus, what they said, they said, you know, when, when are you going to come back and set up, you know, your kingdom on earth here? And, and, he's, and Jesus tells them this. He said, he answered, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You're not permitted to know the timing of all that he prepared by his authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come. And what? And then you'll be witnesses. So Jesus's response to them wanting something in the carnal, something in the natural to change. His answer was, don't worry about what's happening in the natural. His answer was, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's my encouragement to us as we go forward in this season of a revival is, is that you would stop focusing on everything that's happening in the world today. You'd, you'd stop meditating on how bad coronavirus is. Stop how bad everything is that's going on in the world. No, no, we need to lift up our heads and we need to look at our Savior. We need to look at the Word and we need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because that was Jesus' response to their natural complaint. When are you going to do this? It's not, it's not for you to know that. Hey, but do this. Get filled with the Spirit and what? And you'll be witnesses in the world that you're living in. And we'll get into some of those things in future weeks. But, but the, my, my sign, I wanted to lay that before you because there's so many things that are affecting our lives. We get so tied to the natural, but yet the natural will never produce life. Right. Never. Hallelujah. 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 Don't get distracted by the noise of the enemy. Don't get distracted by the noise of the enemy. That's, that's what I really want you to hear for a moment. Don't get distracted by the noise of the enemy. Everything you're hearing is noise. What is, what is noise meant to do to get your attention? Whatever and whoever and whatever's screaming the loudest, whatever's talking to you, what's being portrayed constantly, constantly put before you, constantly, it's trying to, it's trying to what? Take away your focus from what brings life and peace and put it on something that never brings life. The apostle Paul, I mean, uh, uh, David said this, and I believe it's in Psalms 55. He says this, I'm restless and distraught in my complaint and I must moan and I'm distracted at the noise of the enemy and because of the oppression and the threats of the wicked. This is what, da- this is what David was saying. Now let's look here in Deuteronomy chapter one. And we'll get into this. Let me slow that clock down. In Jesus name. 
Thank you, Father. In verse 27, I'm going to read in the Amplified. It says, You were peevish and discontented in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Verse 28, To what we are going up, our brethren, our brethren, our brethren, our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are bigger and taller than we are. The cities are great and fortified to the heavens. And moreover, we have seen the giant-like sons of Anak there. Then I said to you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. Now, I brought this out because I wanted you to see, it says, their brethren said, not God said. Their brethren said. You could say, the, the news media said. Everyone at your office is saying. Our brethren have made our hearts melt. Why were their hearts melting? Why? Because they were looking at the natural things. They were looking at the natural size of the giants. I'm not going to get into this because Dr. Savell did an amazing job last week talking about, about the, the fact that, that they shouldn't have been focusing on how, how big the giants were, but really how big God was. God is. So it had to do with your focus. Changing your focus. And that's what I'm going to deal with as it pertains to revival. If we're going to step into revival, we have to change our focus. Changing our focus is about changing our priorities. Changing our focus is about changing what we're, pride, what we're allowing to feed our spirit man or feed our minds. We have to change our focus. So they were constantly looking at what their brethren, brethren were saying. And because their brethren were saying, it said their hearts melted. You know, when I, 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 see, I see things, I hear things, and I look around in my heart as a pastor just goes, man, they're focusing on the wrong things. And this is, the, the, I, I'm seeing ministers do this. I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing worldly people do this. It, it doesn't matter where you're at. I just see so much going on that their focus is, is, is just in this one direction. And I'm telling you, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Go to Numbers, verse chapter 20. Numbers, chapter 20. You have to change your focus. Right now, if your mind has been on everything that's going on in the world currently, then I'm asking you as your pastor to change your focus. Change your focus. For the sake of time, I'll just read verse 6. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly. Actually, I, I do need to go to verse 2 and read this. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Now think about it. They're coming against Moses and they're coming against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake saying, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have we made us to come out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly. 
Now think about this. You have, you have these people that, that are constantly, you have these two leaders say, say this, every one of you at just as soon as we leave today and I have all of you come up and you're just screaming at me about how bad things are on how bad this is and, and what's going on. You know what? I, I'd have to like, stop. <laughs> you be what? Because, because you complaining about the natural isn't going to fix the natural. You complaining about what's going on isn't going to fix it. Like I said, because the root that's going on in our world today is a spiritual problem. It's not a natural problem. And so what did they say? And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. You see, Moses and Aaron had to change their focus. Their focus was all the pressure that was, they were facing and all that was going on in their lives. And, and what did they have to do? They had to leave the assembly. I'm telling you, I, I, there, there's, there's some assemblies you, you need to get away from. There's some gatherings you need to stop going to. There's some, there's some Facebook conversations that you don't need to be a partaker of. There, there is some, there are some news things that you just don't need to watch. There's some, there's some things that you really need to get away from because what it's hindering your growth and it's hindering what God wants to do in the earth. So they had to go away from the very thing that was bringing pressure, bringing the, the hurt, bringing what was going on and leave the assembly, all the people that were screaming and yelling at them and, and turn away and do what? Go to the presence of God, went to the door of the tabernacle, fell on their faces and worship God. And what happened when they did that? When they turned away from that and came here, it said the glory of God showed up. And see, the amazing thing is when glory, the glory shows up, also his voice shows up. Because immediately right after that, he, the glory showed up and he gave Moses the wisdom on what he needed to get the water the people needed. But he had to change his focus. Go to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1. Or Habakkuk. Right after Nahum. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I tell you, the world we're facing, we're bombarded with so much. But we can't focus on what's going on in the natural. Amen. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate that. <laughs> Read this first verse in the King James. It says, the burden, say burden. Burden. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. You see, what you see will affect you. What you're meditating on will affect you. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see, O Lord, So he, get this, Habakkuk saw this burden. Now, what was the burden? Let's look in the Amplified, verse 2. Now, this is his response to what he saw. He saw what? A burden. Burden could be weight, pressure, heaviness, a burden. And he saw this burden, and it affected 
Habakkuk. It affected him in his heart. And in really what he saw, he got mad. Because what you see will get you in the flesh. If you're focusing on the the carnal, it's going to get you in the flesh. And so he, he goes to God and he says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry out to you of violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and wrong and yourself look upon or cause me to see perverseness and trouble? For destruction and violence are before me and there is strife and contention arises. Wow. Maybe he saw, maybe he saw 2020. I really believe that this is a prophetic book. I mean, it is a prophetic book, but, but I mean, he, he sees this burden. So he's seeing something into the future that hasn't happened yet. It hadn't happened. He, he, he saw it and, and he's seen this and he's kind of like, God, why aren't you doing something about it? God, how come, how come this, how come I'm crying to you and you're not saving? I'm crying to you and you're not hearing. How come this has happened? There's contention, there's strife, there's all this going on. And, and yet then he lets God speak. Actually, verse four says, therefore, the law is slackened and justice and righteous sentence never go forth. See, this is also what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, God, you're not doing what you said you do. He's blaming God now. Therefore, the law is slackened, meaning God, therefore, God, you're not keeping your word. It says wicked surrounds the righteous. Therefore, justice goes forth perverted. Man, it so looks like our world that we're living in. But then God speaks to Habakkuk. And, and all he tells him is, look around. Meaning, you're seeing that, Habakkuk, but you need to see something different. Look around, you Habakkuk, replied the Lord, among the nations and see. And be astonished and astounded, for I'm putting into effect a work in your day, such that you would not believe it if we're told to you. Meaning, you're seeing these things and you're burdened by it. You're blaming me. You're crying out to me. He says, but what you don't see, Habakkuk, is I'm working. I am working. Say that with me. God is working. Even in everything that we see going on on around us, what we see happening in the world today, the thing is we have to understand that there's another side to the story. That God is still working. God is, even though you can't see it, Habakkuk, even though you can't see it, be astonished and astounded because I have put into effect a work in your day such that we not believe what you're told to you. If you could just see the end of the story, Habakkuk, if you could just see what I see, you wouldn't be talking like you're talking. Thank you, Valinda. I appreciate that. And this is, this is what we, what the church really needs to get a hold of. We have to get to look from things from God's perspective. Because the only side that we need to be choosing in any situation is God's. Everything else produces division. Thank you, Father. If all we do is see what the enemy's doing, you'll focus on the natural and you'll miss out on greater. 
Hold your place in Habakkuk. Let me say that again. If all you do is see what the enemy's doing, you'll focus on the natural and you'll miss out on the greater. Hold your place in Habakkuk and go to um, Luke chapter 19. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. This is Jesus saying... So here Jesus came to the city and he's looking over the city and says this, if you had known, even though at least in this day, the things that belong to thy peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. The Amplified says this, and as he approached, he saw the city and he wept audibly over it. Now this is Jesus's heart. And he, he only did and said things that he heard the father do. So you have to understand, this is God speaking, the same God that was speaking to Habakkuk. In verse 42 in the Amplified, it says, exclaiming, would that you had known personally, even at least in this your day, the things that make for peace, for freedom, from all the distresses that are experienced as a result of sin and upon which your peace, your security, safety, prosperity, and happiness depends but now they're hidden from your eyes. Meaning you can't, you can't see the things that are going to bring peace in your life. You can't see them. You can't see the thing that's going to bring prosperity. You can't see the things that are for your security, your happiness. You can't see those things. They're hidden from your eyes. For a time is coming. For a time is coming upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank with pointed stakes about you and surround you and shut you in on every side. Wow. There's coming a time. He wasn't talking about that time. He said there's coming a time. Jesus, the heart of the Father, he's looking at the city and he's crying over it and he's singing. And he said, he goes, they don't know the things that are going to bring them peace. And therefore the things that will bring them peace, their eyes can't see it. Why can't they see it? What did I say earlier? The God of this world blinds the minds that don't see, can't see because they can't see the gospel. And it says the enemy comes and he takes stakes. Now, get a picture of this. This, Because they can't see, think about this, a fence surrounding me. This enemy is going to do things in my life, say things in my life. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to confine me. Jesus is saying they, he, he sees it because they have, they have a right to peace. They have a right to prosperity. They have a right to be happy, but they can't see it because the enemy has fenced them in. On every side, verse 44, and they will dash you down to the ground, you Jerusalem, and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, all because you did not come... <laughs> All because you did not progressively to recognize and know and understand for observation the time of your visitation. That is when God was visiting you. The time in which God showed himself gracious towards you and offered you salvation through Jesus Christ. See, he wept over it. He said, why? Because 
They miss the day of their visitation. What was he saying? I am the only answer. And my Jewish people couldn't receive me as the answer. And because of that, now Jews, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they, when they hear the gospel read, they read it with a veil over their eyes and they can't see the truth. And they miss the day of their visitation. I don't want you to miss the day of your visitation because of you focusing on natural things. I don't want us as a church to, 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 to miss visitations because we're focusing on natural things. We're, we're focusing on things that don't matter and things that aren't eternal. We have to focus on the things that, that, that bring peace, the things that bring change, the things that bring life. Go back to, back to a Habakkuk. I mean, Habakkuk... If I had time, I'd break this down verse by verse. I mean, he, Habakkuk, even, even after God speaks that to Habakkuk, look around and see, he goes, he says, God, you've made, you're causing your men to be like fish that get caught in hooks. He starts throwing all these analogies out to God on how he's seeing things. And he gets so aggravated at God in his conversation that he, he goes to the house of God. Verse, two, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he'll say unto me. Habakkuk is going off on God, and he goes, I just want to see God get mad at me. I, he, he's standing, he goes, he goes I'm going to go. It's kind of like he's standing on the edge of his palace and he's saying, go ahead and make your day, make my day, God, because he goes, I just want to see if he got mad at me. I just want to see how he responds. And I'm going to see if he answers me. But I love God. God doesn't re, didn't respond in the way. He, he says this in verse two, and the Lord answered me. <laughs> he says, write the vision. He didn't tell him he was wrong. He didn't tell him he was messed up. He goes, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. I always ask, my, ask the question, what vision are you talking about, Lord? What I told, and this is what the Holy Spirit told me, what I told Habakkuk to see in chapter 1, verse 5, look around and see. Write what I'm showing you down. Now, this is amazing scripture as it pertains to vision. And, and it's, it's amazing scripture. Write your vision, make it plain, and focus on the vision. All those things are needful, but, and all those are important. But, but really, we have to understand what was the context that this was written in. It's not just writing your vision that's going to come to pass. There's, there's a purpose on God's timetable of why he's writing this. He's write the vision and make it plain because he that reads it will run with it and it will come to pass and it won't tarry. And verse four, he says, behold, his soul, which is lifted up in him is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And then God continues to talk to him. And I don't have time to go through everything that he's, he's sharing with Habakkuk here, but I believe that the vision of what Habakkuk is to write down is the vision the believer in the church need to embrace. Let's look at verse 13 of chapter 2. 
And this is God speaking still to Habakkuk. He says, Behold, it is not by my appointment of the Lord of hosts that the nations toil only to satisfy the fire that will consume their work. And the people weary themselves only for empty, emptiness, falsality, and futility. See, God, God's responding to Habakkuk's heart cry. And what is God saying? Habakkuk, what you're seeing is not me. He said, behold, it's not by my appointment. Meaning this isn't what I'm wanting to happen. The things that you see in our world today isn't, isn't, isn't the hand of God. Coronavirus isn't the, hand, isn't, isn't, isn't the hand of God. Everything that you see happening or what is not the hand of God. And that's what he's wanting to get a hold of, of Habakkuk. He's like, he's like, it's not by my appointment that people do things that only weary themselves and only consume their work. Meaning, I mean, it's not my heart that, that my creation would work and work and work and work and work and it come to nothing. It's not my heart as a creator. It's not my heart as a heavenly father that people would do everything they can do just to weary themselves for things that have no, that are just empty, that have no life, have no strength in them. And, and that's what we're seeing in our world today, that people are so busy doing and 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 doing. And, doing. and what happens is it's just temporary. God's saying, that's not me. But verse 14 says this, but... The time is coming that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What's the vision? That the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What vision was, did God want Habakkuk to see? What vision did he want him to write down? What vision can we see today that, that, that we need to focus on in our lives? Because, yes, if we look at the world, the natural things, we're going to be burdened. We're going to be overwhelmed. We could be angry. We could be fearful. But what is God saying? It's not by my appointment that those things are happening, but... My heart for you is to know that the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Go to Mark chapter 6. And I'll try to start closing. I'm running out of time. Thank you, Father. A couple weeks ago, I did a message called CPR. How many people were here? You, you, you listened to that. Come into his presence and receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Mark chapter 6. Verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. 
And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much to as eat. Come into his presence and receive. What? This is so important as it pertains. We, see, they were busy. They were busy doing ministry. They wouldn't share with Jesus everything that, that was happening, everything that was going on. But Jesus said to them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. And like this is, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. I just got a picture of, of you praying for you this week. My heart is your pastor is that you would come yourself apart to a desert place and rest a while. You've been so busy, even for them, they didn't even have time to eat. Meaning they couldn't do natural, needful things because they were so focused on what was happening around them. Come to a desert place. I said, Lord, what, what do you want me to get across to, to us this morning? He said, a, he said, a desert place is a solitary place. And most of the time when we think of solitary, we think of like solitary confinement. We think of something negative. And this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. A solitary place is a place where there's only one influence. A solitary place. There's so many things that are influencing our lives. There's so many things influencing a disciple's life. He said, come away yourselves. See, it's not your pastor that needs to go to a solitary place. It's you. Those watching the way of internet, it's you. Solitary places where there's only one influence. And then he said this, he goes, and Justin, that influences me. And it says, and rest a while. That word rest means to cease from labor and recover and collect strength. What was one of the definitions of revival? To recover life, to recover strength. I tell you, we all need a personal revival. But personal revival isn't going to happen if we're focusing on carnal things. Because what carnal things equal death and what spiritual things are life and peace. There's something that happens when you get away to a solitary place and you find rest. He wants you to collect your strength. There's some things that, you know, for me, I I had to just turn social media off. I just had to turn some things off, some influences. Just turn some of those things off. You, you, debate, you debating people is not going to be their salvation. You saying a word in season will be their salvation. But there's something when you come alone. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Help me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
just make note of this. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Luke chapter 1, verse 80 is talking, it's the song of Zechariah. It's the very last verse in Luke chapter 1. And, and at the very end of this song, it said that Zacharias is prophesying over his son, John the Baptist. And he, at the very end, he says, and the, and the child grew strong. And it said he remained in the wilderness until his showing unto Israel. Meaning, he, he grew strong when he was in the wilderness. He grew strong when he was in the solitary place. It said, and the child grew strong and remained in the desert place until his showing unto Israel. See, there's some things that God wants to do in you that can only happen in that solitary place. And there comes a time, I just thought of Dr. Savell when, when he, was, he sold his business and he, he, he went into studying and preparing in the Word where, where he devoured the Word for eight hours a day for months and months at a time. And it said he came out with the Word of God in his heart, the fire of God in his heart and the Word of God, fire of God in his eyes, the Word of God in his mouth. And, and he, he just was releasing those things. Why? He, he spent some time in a solitary place. And grew strong and went out and God released him into his ministry. Jesus was in in the desert. Jesus was in the wilderness. We know he was tempted of the devil. But it said when he came out of the wilderness, it said he came out in the power of the spirit. See, when he came out of that solitary place, he came out in the power of the spirit. That's Luke 4.14. And then we know right after that, it, it talks about he stood up and he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Go back to Habakkuk and I'll close with this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come apart to a solitary place. And rest a while. Now we're going to go to chapter 3. Really if you think about it. Even though this harsh conversation that Habakkuk had with God. It was really Habakkuk in a solitary place with God. It was in a place of communion with God. It was a place where he was speaking to God and God was speaking to him. Right? And even though there was natural frustrations to him, with him, yet God always gave him an answer that, so he could really see the way God sees things. So he could change his focus on how God sees things. And let's look at chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I thought of Cassie when I saw this. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. The thing, so, so after all this, God speaks to him about all these things, and, and all of a sudden, Habakkuk's got a song in his heart. He's like, he goes, I'm going to sing. Why is he? See, he was mad at the very beginning, and all of a sudden, now he's singing. Why? Because, because he went into the presence of God with a burden. And when he got into God's presence and God spoke to him, he came out with a song. He came out with a song. And what's the song? He says, oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech and I was afraid, oh, Lord, 
Revive the works in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Now, let me read that to where you can better understand it. This is what he says. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. See, he was talking about all the things that happened in the previous two chapters. And now he starts singing a song and he's like, I remember what you did in the past. I remember what happened yesterday. Oh, I stand in all of you. I stand in all of your works. I stand in all of your deeds. And I'm telling you, oh God, I'm so grateful for you. In your time, make those deeds known to me. Lord, and so I'm saying, saying, Lord, in 2020, make those deeds known to me right now. What you did in days gone by, I want you to do right now. See, that's what Habakkuk is saying, as, you know, that your, your, your presence, that your glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, just, just like it was in, in the very beginning of Genesis when you hovered upon the face of the deep. I want you to do those works in my life. Stand in all of your deeds. Oh, in all of your deeds. And he says, repeat them. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me close with this and I, I have to stop. Verse 17. This is him still singing. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive tree shall fail and the the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stall. Now get this. This is what he's saying. Remember? Even in the natural, even when I see this, he goes, although. That's why he's, although. Although I may see, I'm not producing fruit. Although I see that there's no, there's no uh, cattle in the barn. Although I see these different things happening. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? The Lord is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon, he will make me walk upon mine high places. Now think about this. If he was moved by the natural, would he rejoice? And I'm telling you, if you are focusing on the natural, you won't enter into praise. Change your focus. With him, he said, although the, my, 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 my crops have failed, although there's no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Meaning my focus is going to be on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is your focus on him this morning? Hallelujah. Those that are carnally minded have no life, but those that are spiritually minded is life and peace. Focus on him. Come apart yourself to a solitary place and rest a while. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the word that strengthens us, the word that empowers us, and the word that equips us. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Father. Revive your works in our day. I thank you, Father, for continuing to direct me as I continue to lay seed and sow seed for the revival 
that we will see in this place than we see in the earth. In Jesus' name, give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.